Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. East and welcome to another Football Friday. Once again, Jeff Kerr from CBS Sports here with you today. I got to write a lot of NFC East stuff yesterday. Some of the stuff I mentioned on this show. But I wanted to get into this that developed before we get into the Eagles commanders here. Jerry Jones was a quarterback controversy in Dallas. What is he insane? This is his reasoning. So Obviously, the Cowboys want Cooper Rush to play well because they want to stay in the NFC East race. Fine. I understand that. But Jerry Jones wants a full-blown Philadelphia Carson Wentz-Nick Foles quarterback controversy. You know, the one where Eagles won with Carson Wentz, but then they won the Super Bowl with Nick Foles. Then Carson Wentz plays okay, and then, you know, obviously he's playing hurt. The Eagles are five and, and, what, no, six and seven. Nick Foles comes in, wins the last three games, wins the playoff game. That type of quarterback controversy. Because that means the Cowboys are winning, according to Jerry Jones. He's insane. He is absolutely insane. You just paid the guy $40 million to be their quarterback. When Eagles had this type of thing, Carson Wentz wasn't paid yet. Jerry Jones wants Cooper Rush to basically unseat Dak Prescott. The next Tony Romo. The next undrafted superstar. There was no quarterback controversy, by the way, when Tony Romo became the quarterback of the Cowboys. Once they moved to Tony Romo, that was it. That was the end of Drew Bledsoe. That was it. The Cowboys struggled at quarterback for years with Quincy Carter, and he had his issues and was out of the league. Vinny Testaverde, Drew Bledsoe. Remember Chad Hutchinson, I think, was in that mix at some point. Maybe he was before them. But then they eventually went to Romo, and they never looked back. They've had pretty much, what, 15, 16 years of quarterback peace between Tony Romo and Dak Prescott? It's a good problem to have. Now you want a quarterback controversy because your team's so irrelevant, you can't win anything? Is this what you're going to do? You, you want a quarterback controversy so guys like Jeff Kerr can write about you? Fine, I'm all ears. Absolutely. You want to do that? Fine, Jerry. See the repercussions of that for your franchise. You're paying a guy $40 million and you want him in a quarterback controversy. You want his job questioned. There is no quarterback controversy in Dallas. It's Dak Prescott. I don't care how well Cooper Rush plays. It's Dak Prescott. And he played well last Sunday. I don't think he played great by any standards. It's great in the first quarter. But then they have the same inconsistent problems on offense. Dallas won that game because of their defense, not because of Cooper Rush. Cooper Rush made some big throws on that last drive. But Dallas won that game because of their defense. 
Jerry's insane. He, he's just insane. So he said he would walk to New York to get that, that quarterback controversy. He wants Cooper Rush to play well against the New York Giants on Monday night. So we could talk about this. I was thinking maybe bringing it up at some point, but no, there is no quarterback controversy in Dallas. There isn't any. It's Jerry Jones. It's Dak Prescott. Zeke Elliott shot down too, by the way. He said, who knows if, they, if the media actually believes it. He's just giving you all something to write about. It's all marketing. Yeah, it is all marketing. It is all marketing. It really is. You can't go through life in the NFL with quarterback controversies. Not every quarterback controversy is Joe Montana and Steve Young. You got the Doug Flutie, Rob Johnsons of the world in that mix. You got the Mitch Trubisky, Kenny Pickett's of the world. By the way, let's get in that Thursday night game for a second. Why is Mitch Trubisky the starting quarterback of the Pittsburgh Steelers? This is three games now. He has absolutely sucked on par for his career. Everybody says how well he did with the Bears. I didn't see it. I just saw a product of the modern NFL when he put up stats. Yeah, yeah, six touchdown game ones. Mr. Bisky is not good. Not saying the Steelers' play calling has been any better either, and their offensive line's been better. I still know what Matt Canada actually provides that offense as a play caller. I don't think the offensive line protects Trubisky enough. He only seems to go to DeAndre Johnson. Okay, Deontay Johnson, sorry. It's it's 7 a.m. Deontay Johnson, that's the only guy he seems to go to. George Pickens says he's open 9 out of 10 times. Well, yeah, if you saw that catch last night. Even when he's not open, he makes plays. Chase Claypool needs to get the ball more. Pat Fryerroof needs to get the ball more. Steelers don't open the ball up to their tight ends enough. Yeah, I, I'm sorry. I'm I'm not sold on Mitch Trubisky. I'm not. Stinks. Should have never started with him to begin with. I don't think they're going to go to Kenny Pickett anytime soon, though. They got the mini-buy, then they play the Jets. I, I just don't see them going to Mitch Trubisky. They have to win week four, by the way, if Pittsburgh wants to stay in this. Because I don't think Baltimore's going anywhere. Cleveland's 2-1. and one, probably Should be 3-0. and oh, Should be 3-0 and oh with Jacoby Brissett. If I'm a Cleveland Browns fan, I am feeling a lot better about my football team today. A lot better. Because the truth of the, of the matter is, they should be 3-0. and oh. They blew a 13-point lead to the Jets with under two minutes left. Should never have happened. Kobe Brissett's been fine. More than fine. He's running the offense well. You have Nick Chubb, you have Kareem Hunt. Look, I'm glad Cleveland got a franchise quarterback, by the way. I just don't like the franchise quarterback they got because of his transgressions. They sold out. They sold out. They could have won this year with Baker Mayfield, Jacoby Brissett, whoever. They're proving that. I think they're truly going to be 6-5 and five when Sean Watson comes back. But I get why they got the franchise quarterback, because now they're Super Bowl contenders. Whether you like Sean Watson or not, or anything he's done, his talent on the field is undeniable, even though he hasn't played in two years. They're going to be Super Bowl contenders if they keep this up. If they win two out of every three games, that is what? Eight and four, seven and four, because Sean, back, Sean Watson will be back by their 12th game. So seven and four, they're in great shape. They'll be in great shape if they keep that pace up. 
and they should be 3-0. Nick Chubb is a beast. Kareem Hunt runs the ball hard. Amari Cooper is the playmaker they need. By the way, Dallas, you, you guys are idiots getting rid of Amari Cooper. Absolute idiots. First Browns wide receiver since 20, is it 2013 that back-to-back 100-yard receiving games? Coop, Amari Cooper, making a difference in that offense. Donovan Peoples-Jones makes, makes plays. Oh, Dallas. Every, just, every bad thing just seems to come back. We'll preview Dallas Giants a little bit. Maybe later in the show. We got Monday to do that too, by the way. But we got to break down some Eagles commanders here, guys. Um, I think Jalen Hurts, in my honest opinion, is going to feast on Sunday. I think what you saw Monday night against the Vikings, you might see something similar Sunday. Because this defense is worse than the Vikings. They can game plan all they want. They can force Jalen Hurts to throw. But I'm going to tell you right now, the Eagles will be able to run the ball off this team, and they will be able to throw the ball off this team. And I'll be shocked if they don't. I know it's a week-to-week league. But from what I saw from the Washington Commanders watching their first two games, and I've watched them multiple times, it is bad. Their defense is bad. Kendall Fuller is struggling in coverage. That's their starting quarterback. DJ Chark dropped a long touchdown pass last week, or his overall coverage numbers would have been worse. He is really having problems with the receiver, seeing the football. Bobby McCain, the safety, who plays next to Cam Curl, he's been struggling in coverage. They didn't have Cam Curl last week, by the way. I think that's going to be a major difference for them if Cam Curl's able to play Sunday. It'll probably be listed as questionable, but we'll see. But Bobby McCain's been struggling. The whole secondary's been struggling. William Jackson, their other starter. This is his numbers for this year. Nine catches on ten targets. So he's been targeted ten times, and he's allowed nine. Nine catches. 137 yards, 15.2 yards per catch, and abysmal 152.1 passer rating quarterbacks have when they target him. You don't think the Eagles are going to try to feast on that? They're going to feast on this secondary. But they're blaming guys like Jameen Davis, Cole Holcomb. Cole Holcomb hasn't gotten much of the blame, but Ron Rivera and Jack Del Rio, their defensive coordinator, has blamed Jameen Davis. And he responded to that in kind on Instagram in a since-deleted post. It's a movie clip if you want to check it out. Just search Jameen Davis on Twitter. You'll thank me later. It's fun. It's a funny movie clip from a funny movie. And his teammates liked it, liked it a lot. So they know Jameen Davis isn't the source of their struggles. They're all struggling. This is just in pass coverage. Now you got running the football. The Eagles have the number one rush offense in the NFL since last year. Shane Steichen does a brilliant, brilliant, brilliant job of mixing up the pass and the run and having creative run designs. Yeah, Washington can't tackle. They're having trouble up front. They really miss Matt Ionias, who's with the Carolina Panthers now. They really miss Tim Settle. He's not there anymore. He's in Buffalo. I'm pretty sure he's in Buffalo. I, I got to remember that, but I'm pretty sure he's in Buffalo. Um, Again, 7 a.m. But they really miss those two. Badly. Badly in the run defense. Jonathan Allen and Deron Payne are good. 
They're good pass rushing tackles. They really miss Matt Ionias and Tim Settle. They were their run stoppers. Montez Sweat's pretty good against the run, but again, with no Chase Young there, he's kind of the guy you uh, work on stopping. Their defensive line's still good, don't get me wrong, but they really miss those players. They're having oodles and oodles of trouble against the run. Eagles offense might score a bunch on Sunday. They might. If they play to their capability, they should. Jalen Hurts should have another good game. I saw someone comment, not on the live stream yesterday, someone put a comment on my Twitter saying, this is how dumb people are, by the way, some people. The Vikings let Jalen Hurts throw the ball in the middle of the field because they know he can't throw. Yeah, they did. And they paid for it big time. Jalen Hurts has the highest yards per attempt in the league. Jalen Hurts leads the league in yards per attempt on passes toward the middle of the field. It's over 12. He's second in the league in percentage of balls thrown to his left. So everything you could criticize Jalen Hurts for is out the window. What now, haters? And the ones that do hate now, they're just your fans of another team. They're just morons. I don't see it on here. I don't. I don't see it from you guys. You guys have been pretty much rational. It's the people who want attention are trying to get a response out of me. And all they're going to get is a stat to make them look like a fool. Jalen Hurts has been really good the first two weeks. He should be able to, to continue that on Sunday. I do think the Eagles are going to win this game Sunday. I think Parson Wentz will play well, well enough. I just don't know if the, the commanders will score a lot of points, because, or I should say 30 points, because they're very inconsistent. It's a very inconsistent offense, as you saw in the first half against Detroit if you watch a game Sunday, as you saw in times against Jacksonville, but it's a very good offense. They're still trying to put everything together. It's early. you got to really like what you're seeing out of the Commanders' offense, though. If you're a Commanders fan, you really, gotta, you really like what you're getting out of Carson Wentz right now. Okay, guys, so we got special guests today. We got Anthony Armstrong, former wide receiver for Washington, played with Donovan McNabb, had a really good year in 2010, played for Dallas Cowboys at one point in his career. We're going to have him on. We're going to preview Eagles Commanders. We're going to preview NFC East. Anthony Armstrong from Bleb on Commanders. I think that's how you say it. I think it's Bleb Bleve, but he's a podcast host there. We're going to have some good conversation right after this. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. The greatest fans on earth. It's a bold statement, but would you expect anything less from Philadelphia? 
58 years of heartache creates a toughness, a grit, a resolve not found in most. Sure, our prayers were answered, but now that we've had a taste, we're looking for more. Pondley Hockey, official partner of the Philadelphia Eagles. Action News at 11 with Rick Williams. It's the team you trust to bring it all together. The stories that impact your community, a sports roundup for the locals, and the AccuWeather forecast you depend on. Action News at 11 with Rick Williams. Go passionately. Go fearlessly. Go confidently. Go first! Go confidently towards your goals with First Trust, Philly's hometown bank for nearly 90 years, and the official bank of the Philadelphia Eagles. We're focused on getting you over the goal line. So go with conviction. Go with trust. Go first! And go forward with us by your side. First Trust Bank, the official bank of Philadelphia dreams. Oh, and go first. Welcome to Pond Lee Hockey. We've helped over 100,000 injured and disabled workers obtain benefits, as well as some of the biggest settlements in the state. If you've been injured at work, give Pond Lee Hockey a call. It's be, it's believe it's believe, believe. so okay. so it's it's okay. I'm gonna let the first one slide, Jeff. All right, next <laughs> one now. You know we may have to we may have to fight. Oh, oh, of course. Well, by the way, I have haunting memories of you catching long passes against the Eagles. By the way, that 2010 year. So uh, yeah, I think that we're was all fun. <laughs> yeah. So uh, before we start here, what was it like playing with Donovan McNabb? Just out of curiosity. Oh man, at the time, I mean, shoot, it was it was a dream come true. I mean, my path to the NFL was very uh, off the beaten path, and so to have the opportunity to you know get Donovan traded to Washington, I was just like, oh man, I, I want to be his Deshaun Jackson uh, for whenever he makes it into the Burgundy and Gold, and I was able to do that, uh, catch a few passes. So it was it was really cool to to play ball with Donovan, and have him throw me a few passes. Yeah, I mean, we love Donovan McNabb. His what eleven years in Philly. I mean, it, to me. I was shocked when the whole benching went down with him because I still thought he had some game left and maybe he just wasn't in the right scheme because he was only like 32, 33 years old at the time. Yeah, you know, I shoot it. That that was definitely above my pay grade. I know that much. I, I was I was just wanting to have somebody be consistent. Um, you know, I, I think Donovan still had a little bit of learning to go with that offense, but you know, there may have been a little bit of disagreement between the OC and him. I'm not sure. You know, I was like 54 out of the 53 on that roster. I felt so. You know, I wasn't in any position to get too upset. I mean, hell, you had Rex Grossman throwing the ball uh, as well, so he was a Super Bowl quarterback also. So both guys, I wasn't I wasn't too upset with. 
Who was the OC at the time? It wasn't Kyle Shanahan yet. Was it, it was Kyle Shanahan. Oh, was I mean, Kyle. Okay. yeah, that's that staff that had Kyle Shanahan, Sean McVay, Matt LaFleur. Uh, and then a little bit later on, Mike McDaniels, he came around. So there have been a lot of really good coaches uh, come through the doors in Ashburn. Yeah, I respect the heck out of Sean McVay, Mike McDaniel. I'm loving what they're doing in the league right now. But, yeah, that's a crazy coaching staff to learn from. You think about it. Did, did you ever think maybe, like, okay, like Sean McVay is going to be a head coach? What was he, like a tight ends coach at the time there? When I first met Sean, he was just an offensive assistant. He was he was assisting John Embry uh, with the tight ends. And then when Coach Embry went to Colorado, Sean was elevated to the uh, head you know tight end position. And he had those guys so prepared. And I mean, you know, not not saying Coach Embry didn't, but you noticed that these guys were taking tests before their meetings, before the games, and it showed on the field. Those guys were so much more prepared uh, than previous years, uh, and it's all from how Sean was able to get those guys ready to play and get the most out of them so it didn't surprise me that he was one of the youngest coaches to to be a head coach and then to make it to, to the Super Bowl in such a short time I mean it, it was just an ultimate culmination of all his hard work all those years it's a shame too what happened in Washington with that coaching staff and the RG3 injury because it felt like they had the makings of something really special there and I mean obviously we, we all know the end result but I just felt like maybe they forced him back into that playoff game a little too soon. Because I, if I remember correctly, he had the sprained MCL. I think in, I think it was Baltimore. He, he injured it, and he just kind of kept grinding through it. Yeah, it was that Baltimore hit. I know it was Haloti Nada. It was just like a boulder, a huge giant of a man. Uh, ended up hitting his knee when he was diving for a play. And, um, you know, it, those are some tough decisions. Uh, obviously, hindsight, you know, you would say you probably don't play him in that situation. I mean, I, I wish that Robert would have had an offseason where he was able to just be able to work at being a quarterback. He had a lot of times where he was just coming off of injuries and the main focus was to rehab. Uh, I think that he had, you know, uh, a high ceiling in the league. He just needed to be able to work more at that position uh, to, to get used to reading coverages and, and just navigating the offense in the way that the game was played. It's crazy, too, because if if he would have came in the league, say, 2022, he probably would have video game-type numbers. They would have been like Lamar coming in and just, you know, just wrecking havoc on the league. He probably would have won an MVP. I mean, how much do you think the game has changed from even 10 years ago to now? My goodness. It's it's changed so much, and especially, you know, living in Texas and covering some high school football over the past few years, you see those that's those type of same spread schemes work their way up into the NFL. It seems a little weird, but back in the past, you wouldn't have never thought to have multiple quarterbacks at and around six foot, six foot one that are starting in the NFL. But now that's a common thing. I mean, going under center, very rare. You don't see that very often. Uh, I mean, looking at teams like, you know, Philly's in the shotgun all day. Washington spends a lot of time in shotgun. Arizona as well. So the games have definitely changed. It's, it's about spreading the field out, getting the ball to your playmakers in space uh, and and that's where the game is now whereas before it was run the ball set up the play action and some teams still do that uh, but you could tell a lot of teams are starting to make that transition to the spread who was the best high school player you've seen covering high school football in texas oh man let's see there's a lot wow there's a lot. I mean, shoot, I remember seeing Baron Browning play. That was my first year to actually cover some games. And Baron Browning in high school, uh, Nick Saban was at that game. So there was already a buzz in the building. Uh, but this guy was just standing over everybody. He just was dominating everybody across the field. Um, another guy, I think he's at OU right now, he was running back. 
Ah, goodness gracious. Oh, What's yes. Yeah, I, I'm drawing a blank too. <laughs> the running back, I cannot think of his name. Oh my goodness, I'm so sorry. But either way, he was taking every run to the house, and it would be third and twenty, and they would still hand the ball off, off to him, and he would still go and get the first down. And uh, another guy coming out of, he's probably in Arkansas now, plays safety, Jalen Catalan, um, maybe a le- lesser known guy, little known guy, but that guy is all around the football. Um, so, you know, those are a couple of young guys that are kind of working their way up into the league. Yeah, speaking of Texas players that, well, high school players that came out of Texas, Jalen Hurts was one of them. And I still remember hearing about him. This is like, what now, six, seven years ago? And yep. what he was able to do there, five-star recruit, goes to Alabama. That's a pretty good career there, pretty good career in Oklahoma. And now he's tearing it up with the Eagles. What have been your thoughts on watching Jalen Hurts from uh, the opponent's viewpoint? You know, I'm I'm impressed at, at how he's taken a step in the league so far. And if it wasn't for a guy in Buffalo, uh, you'd put Jalen Hurts' name in the MVP conversation. I mean, sure, he's only got one touchdown pass, but if you look at the way that he's handling the offense and he's navigating things, he's in the most control. And and they've done a great job at, at building around him, offensively and defensively. I mean, you think adding Hassan Reddick doesn't make a big difference on offense, but it does. Adding Chani Garcher. Gardner Johnson adding James Bradbury. It helps you be a little bit more aggressive on defense so you can get the ball back to Jalen Hurts in this offense. And he is definitely the the the, the spoon that stirs the pot, if you will, for this offense. And uh, I'd love to see his maturation. Um, it just sucks to have to play him twice a year. Speaking of Washington, I, I know that, like, to me, I've been kind of impressed with what they've been able to do the first two weeks with how bad their defense has been. But overall, it seems like Carson might be the guy there long term. You know, it's 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 definitely, you know, it's been an impressive start. You know, I, I have said it's probably, you know, a four or five, maybe six week uh, thing before you see this offense really hit their full potential. And week one, they came out a lot better uh, than anyone anticipated. At first, people were saying, oh, it's just Jacksonville. Yeah, but Jacksonville just blanked somebody, you know, so insurance, Indian, you can say whatever you want, but you still got to give a little bit of respect to that. Jacksonville has some talented players. Now, you know, you flip and see uh, what they did, uh, what Washington did against Detroit. It wasn't as impressive. It wasn't as impressive. It definitely showed some some holes and showed some areas of improvement that this team still has to overcome. And, and those things can happen. So right now, they're a little bit ahead of the curve. Um, they're hitting a little bit of early adversity, but I think that they're going to be okay moving forward. Um, and if Carson can continue to just play solid football and and not make any crazy mistakes. I mean, I think that's the main thing that everybody kind of waits for uh, when it gets down to Carson Wentz is, is he going to make a big mistake? If he can limit those things and just continue to spread the ball around to the offense, I can see him being in Washington longer term. What's crazy about the mistakes is it feels like it's when you send maybe five or six defenders at him or, you know, it's like a crazy blitz package is when he kind of forces the issue. Has he done that through two games in Washington? You know, he's been okay against the Blitz. I think he's been blitzed about 34 times or so. He's got about five scrambles and been sacked, I think, about seven, eight times this year. So he's handled it okay. Uh, in week one, he did all right. Week two, it wasn't it wasn't as, as good. I mean, the, the tough part is, you know, 
early in the year, you don't know what everybody's going to do, especially if they're going to be bringing some new packages and some new looks. Um, but having seen a lot of blitzes from Detroit, they can definitely a- anticipate that Philly is going to be equally as aggressive, if not more. Uh, so now you have some tape of bad blitz pickups. Let's clean that up. And then, you know, you can improve in week two. So, I mean, week one, the Washington O-line gave him the most time to throw the ball. And he's had, you know, two and a half, 2.8 seconds or so to get the ball off, which is pretty good in the league. It's more than Jalen, uh, to say the least. But, um, you know, pressure is always going to kind of set some people off and and how he's able to handle that and, and quickly make it to his outlets are going to be huge. So who the heck's going to play center Sunday? Oh, man. Well, they just signed Nick Martin. You know, he's a longtime uh, vet, played with the Texans for a while. So it's good to have somebody who's been in the league and actually seen uh, some of the different schemes and looks that could come out uh, against them. So Nick Martin may be the guy that lines up. And then you have Wes Schweitzer as well is somebody that, you know, he's been on the injured report, but he may make his way in. But that's good because, I mean, I, I thought Washington's line has been more than decent over the first two weeks. I, I love the tackles they have. It's better. Better than most teams, but over overall, though, how can I put this with with this offense? I think Jahan Dotson just changes the game for me. Uh, I, I loved him, uh, obviously Penn State grant. Loved him coming out of Penn State. Thought whoever got him was getting a star player. He's a PA boy too. So I mean, your th- early thoughts on what Jahan Dotson's been able to do? Jahan's almost like a Terry McLaurin clone. Like he's just a similar size, smaller guy, very quiet. Isn't gonna really. He doesn't talk too much. He just goes out there and does his job. Great route runner, uh, great range, uh, uh, very rangy. He can catch the ball pretty much any uh, area as long as it's within his uh, within his reach. So I'm very impressed with him. Very technical receiver. You don't usually see young receivers come in with that ability to run routes like that, and he does a really good job. So the sky's the limit. I mean, he's, he's, he's able to take advantage of the one-on-one coverage that he's going to see. Uh, because he's definitely going to uh, – Terry McLaurin is going to take two. He's going to take a safety and a corner for the most part. And, and until those other receivers, Curtis Samuel, Jahan Dodson, can actually you know win one-on-one coverage, Terry's going to continue to see double coverage. Yeah, Samuel I thought was a big free agent sign for them. Last year, obviously, he got hurt and you know never really got a chance to make an impact. But this year, you're seeing the difference there. And I, I, to me, it just – with those three, Samuel, Dotson, uh, McLaurin, it just feels like Carson Wentz is set up for a big year just from those three. Oh, absolutely. I mean, this is a it's a very good offense, a lot of weapons that are set up for him to be successful. Uh, and it, like I said, it's just going to come down to him making good decisions and getting the ball to the right people. And, and frankly, too, it's going to come down to Scott Turner. I mean, how do you handle it? He's made the move down to the uh, to the field from the booth. And I think that's been helpful to immediately communicate with Carson and the receivers and everybody can get on the same page. Uh, if there's a play that they see that they think is going to be awesome and, and could potentially work, um, they're able to take advantage of that so uh everybody working together is really going to help Carson improve and and take control of this offense and, and potentially get this team into the playoffs at the end of the year it seems like too at the end of the year uh well you know the saga with Indianapolis right obviously they, they basically make Carson the scapegoat Washington has done the exact opposite that, not saying they're treating him with kid gloves but they're in my mind, they're doing all the right things. They're giving him the positive encouragement when he does make a bad play, or you hear the reports of, oh, he had a bad training camp practice, which to me is ridiculous, by the way. I I, I could get on that for hours. But it, it just seems like Ron Rivera, 
Jason Wright, basically Scott Turner, anybody you would the, the players are just being overly positive, which is a good thing for him. Yeah, I mean, it's not. I don't think it's a false positivity either. I, I think that Carson has has really shown um, that he's going to be a leader for this team. He's shown that he's ready to put in the work. He's shown that he's, you know, trying to do the right things to help take this team to that next level. And and you really do need to have that positivity around your guy. Um, and I can say, whenever that trade first happened, I wasn't. I didn't jump over the moon. I wasn't like, oh, yeah, it's Carson. He didn't think he was going to be a savior or anything. But it, when you thought, when we thought about it, he said, hey, look, it is an improvement at the position. It does give you the ability to throw the ball downfield, which is going to open up the offense. So just, just look at it as a positive situation and give him a chance to prove himself. You know, whenever you're walking in with baggage, um, everybody seems to expect you to perform in that same exact way. But had a great coach by the name of Danny Smith. He said that your past performances are not indicative of your future results, either good or bad. And it's the same thing that I look at with Carson Wentz. He can easily come out here, have a 3,500, 3,700-yard season, 20-some-odd uh, touchdowns, and he could have a good year in this offense. I just went on a rant before you came on about how I think Jalen Hurts could feast on this defense come Sunday. Uh, just from watching the first two games, they're really the linebackers have been bad. Pass coverage, the secondary's been bad in coverage overall. Maybe, maybe that's because of the Lions' offense. Maybe that's because of the scheme. I, I, I don't know, but it, it just seems like Washington's defense is really struggling to, to get a foot right. You know, I, I that's true. It wouldn't be a bad assumption to make or a bad, you know. Uh, I don't know. You, you get what I'm saying. Uh, they haven't played to the standard that they want to. And it, sure, you can jump and say there's injuries. We got injuries. Uh, the D line is a little bit battered up. Sure, you lost Fedarian Mathis for the year. He's on IR, but this is the NFL. Somebody's going to be hurt every week. Um, it's next man up mentality. Uh, now, for personally, I do think the position that's really been hampering things it has been that linebacker position. Definitely supportive of those guys, Cole Holcomb, Jamin Davis. They have a lot of talent. They just have to play a little bit better. You know, you have to be able to uh, cover and drop back into zones. Can't leave the the gaps open versus play action. I'm sure there's going to be some opportunities for for offense to make some plays. But going against Jalen Hurts, this is going to take a full on team effort, uh, talented receivers outside. And, and I think that pass rush wise, they have to be able to kind of handle them like a, how teams would handle Russell Wilson in the past, understand which way you can only force them. Make sure you kind of create a net and maintain solid pass rush lanes. That's going to be the way to be most successful with them. That way he doesn't carve up this commander's defense. What has been the controversy with Dave? I saw the Instagram post and I had to look in the whole Ron Rivera, whatever he said about Dave, which I didn't think was bad, but yet, his teammates seem to agree, but it seems like that Washington's kind of making him the scapegoat for wider defense is struggling. Well, you know, I mean, the one thing about the league, and it's like we just talked about Carson Winston being extremely positive, and then on other on the other side, there are times where you do have to call your player out, and a lot of the, you know does it happen in the media? That's usually where people start to get a little you know upset, is whenever it goes out to the media and shoot. When I was playing, uh, Mike Shanahan had, had had mentioned my name to the media about my shortcomings on the field, and that caused a big old stir. But in, on the other side, you got to look at how you go and play. How are you going to react to this? You know, they just they just said, hey, you didn't play very well on Sunday. Both both head coach and defensive coordinator have said that. And if we're being real with it, you can look at the tape and say, yeah, I didn't play my best game on Sunday. 
Now, uh, Jamin Davis against Detroit, he came back and he he played a lot better. They they gave him praise that he had been playing well, so it wasn't just like they they bashed him and was just like Jamin Davis is ruining this whole defense and he's the reason why. They were just saying, hey. He's played. He played good in training camp. He was doing good things in training camp. He took a step back in week one. We need him to step his game back up. And I mean, they continue to put him in the game and give him opportunities. And and hell, what what better week to show up and make some plays and get people back on your side than going up against Jalen Hurts and Philip? So when Mike Shanahan criticized you, like, did you take it personally? Did you just decide, oh, you know what, I'm just gonna grind it out and practice? How did that work out for you? Yeah, you know, I shoot. I heard about it through the media. So it was like, oh, he said that something about getting off a of press, and I was like, oh, okay. You know, I'm like, well, it's the first time I heard of it, but you know, it, it didn't change my uh, way of. Well, I say it didn't change. I shoot. I, I did go and continue work on uh, releases and things of that nature. So you still work on those things, um, and you just got to go out and put good stuff back on tape. I mean, it's it's just. You know, you get called out. You got to step up and do your thing. I mean, the the NFL is it's just one of those leagues where there are very few times where you do actually get called out and say, "Hey, man, you need to step up." Uh, and that may be your sign that you ain't getting many more chances after this, right? So just step up and play. And, and I and I saw the post too, and, and and I get it. I get it. It does get frustrating when you go on Twitter and people are bashing you and you're seeing your name trending for all the wrong reasons. But I get it. I understand. Just show up. Just go play ball. It's funny, too, because 10 years ago when you were playing, that wasn't really, like social media was a thing, but it wasn't like it is now. Like, oh, look at what Patrick Mahomes tweeted. Or, you know, I know Jalen Hurts don't run his Twitter account, but everybody thinks like Jalen Hurts tweets this stuff, tweets that stuff. Like, could you be able to deal with social media that? 10 years ago, if it was as big as it is now. Man, I tell you, I'm glad I'm at that perfect age where I've experienced some things. Um, but like just before it went absolutely crazy, I'm, un- I'm I'm upset that I didn't invest in those things before they went crazy. But, you know, I, 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 I don't feel sorry for players nowadays, just just because how quickly things get out and how fast things can go. Uh, but there, I mean, there are a lot of opportunities for guys as well. So on the flip side, you can do some amazing things and the contracts are a lot larger. Uh, so to deal with that much scrutiny for the opportunity to earn much more, I guess you got to deal with it, man. It's a part of the, it's just part of the job that you chose. You played for Dallas for a little bit, didn't you? What was it, 2012, I think you played for the Cowboys? Yeah, 2012 and a little bit of training camp in 2013. What was it like playing for Jerry Jones as your boss? You know, um, it was it was all good. Jerry takes care of his people, like from the players to support staff and shoot, the other media members. I mean, you look at the Thanksgiving Day uh, game. Jerry puts on a whole spread uh, for people, for the media, even the opposing media, whenever they're in the building. And, and that's the one thing that you could say about Jerry Jones and, and that Cowboys organization. He's going he's gonna to do it the right way. He's going to take care of his people. Uh, yeah. I, I've known plenty of guys who've been there. Uh, guys and and gals that have been working there for over ten plus years, fifteen years, uh, and it's it's pretty amazing to see, and you don't see that in a lot of NFL organizations. Yeah, we call him a quote machine because I feel like he has something, something for me to write about every day. And the latest one is, oh, I want a quarterback controversy in Dallas. I'm like, no, no, you don't, you you don't want that, Jerry. But I get it. And Zeke kind of shot that down, saying, well, y- yeah, you know, he's just giving us something to write about. Who knows if he actually believes what he says, but. It is kind of funny, though, every time he speaks, you're like, okay, what's going to pop out next? 
Well, you know, it, it may be one. Jerry's a great businessman. He knows how to stay on that front page. He's going to definitely keep it interesting. Um, let me shoot. Hey, quarterback controversy. Hey, little, little, little bit of competition isn't anything. Um, but I mean, like you said earlier, you got to step up in this league. And I know Dak being injured is unfortunate. You know, the rest of the NFC East is not crying for the Cowboys. But uh, when Dak comes back, hey, if, if, if Cooper Rush is flying high, Dallas is going to have to make a decision. Do do we need to go back to Dak? But they definitely need to hand the ball back to Dak. Don't, don't even start to get anything too fishy, Jerry. Just hand the keys back over to Dak. Yeah, Jerry Jones gave a lot of positivity to the Eagles this week, too, with Jalen Hurts, with that. I, I mean, who do you see as the team to beat right now in the NFC East? Man, I tell you, the, well, number one, the Giants. I did not have them uh, being 2-0 uh, two weeks into the season, so kudos to them. They're surprising me right now. I definitely want to see a few more weeks um, and see how they really are moving forward. I can say Philly is just – they've been dominant in both games, and – they are built in a way that it's almost like well, pick your poison. Like, Do you want to try to stop us in the passing game and play man? Because Jalen Hurts will run the ball on you. He has 90 yards in, in scrambles uh, in the season, on the season, 14 total scrambles. He handles the blitz very well. Uh, so then you say, okay, well, how about this? We're going to play zone like Minnesota decided to do, and he just picks you apart and just uh, meticulously move the offense down the field. So he, they're playing really, really well. Well, and I think it, it, it takes a team effort. You got to find a way to get some special teams in there. But Philly's a tough team. They have everything going for them right now. Don't have a lot of injuries, and they got a lot of momentum. So you would go with the Eagles. Then where where would you put the Cowboys in all this? Man, I tell you, when you when you take into into account some of the major injuries that they have, you you kind of have to take them out of the, out of the discussion for the time being until you see. Uh, what they're going to look like when they come back. You know, I think uh, Washington at their best can definitely win the division. But uh, when the after the first couple of weeks, you'd have to give the edge to Philly. Um, and shoot, two and three, you know, you got to go Dallas. Uh, Dallas, Washington, and, and, and uh, New York are real close in the middle. Uh, Dallas, I'm going to hold off because it's, it's tough to say when you don't have your starting quarterback and you don't have Tyron Smith at left tackle, uh, you know. They beat the Bengals, which was, you know, I didn't, I, I, I thought they were going to, I thought they were going to cover and they ended up winning. So um, they beat the Bengals and, and that's a team that's got me a little confused, but right now it's, it's just almost too early. It's too early, but Philly is the one with the most momentum right now. Did we buy stock in the Giants? They beat Dallas this week. Um, mm, uh, no. <laughs> no, I wasn't. I wasn't all the way comfortable with it. And the fact that Cooper Rush played, you know, pretty well. He, I mean, hell, he's two and zero in the league. So let's not let's not you know try to shoot shoot down his abilities. But so there there are certain times where when you have a quarterback that just runs the offense the way that it's supposed to be ran, um, that things te- seem to run smoother. Right? Defenses can't study tape on Cooper Rush to to understand what Cooper is thinking when he's throwing the ball, right? There's so much tape on Dak. So people can understand how Dak will, you know, execute the offense. So right now, Cooper Rush is working off the fact that people don't really know what he's going to do. They got two games of tape, one from last year, and then they have one from this year. So I think that right there is going to be just enough to, uh, to, to keep 
to keep Dallas ahead. And plus, I think the rest of their team is overall better in comparison to what uh, New York has. So that's my thought. And do you think the Eagles beat Washington? Do you think Washington beats the I, I mean, to me, it's going to be close, I think. I think. Yeah. I so the, the spread was six and a half, and 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 I mean, if we're being real. I do think Philly has a superior team. I do think that they're better right now, and I think for Washington to win, it does is going to take a lot of things going right. You can't come out slow on offense. You have to find a way to convert third downs, and then you have to find a way to keep Jalen Hurts off the field and 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 get him off the field on third down. Let, let me say that. Um, it, he they're they're such a pick your poison type of a team um is washington gonna win i'm gonna say yes because you're gonna say the eagles are gonna win um because i know that's how that goes yeah, I, down I know. i'm picking the eagles but uh, i didn't make my super contest picks yet so we'll see yeah, yeah i mean I, it's, I, it's gonna be a tough battle it's gonna be a tough battle if washington brings it all together they can make it a a, a tight a tight game but if, if philly is, is able to just jump out and get the get ahead early it, it could get bad so I'm gonna still say Washington. I'm gonna I'm gonna fight for my boys. All right. So I gotta present this question to you because I've been talking about it all week. I think three NFC East teams can actually make the playoffs this year. I, I definitely thought two were gonna make it at the beginning of the year, Dallas and the Eagles, but I always said Washington could be that sleeper team. It's I mean, do, do you think we can get three? Well, I mean, I guess if you consider the whole seven team uh, making making it to the playoffs, and yeah, you, you could. I mean, coming into the season, wasn't wasn't thinking that. Uh, I still feel like you know two is is what you're going to be looking at. Well, who would you who would your top three be in in the division or just yeah. okay. in the division? So right now, I got the Eagles at one, and I'm like you. I I think Dallas is two just because of their win over the Bengals, but. I think Washington's right there. I, again, I have to see Dallas and Washington actually play each other kind of the same way. I, yeah, I, I feel about Eagles and Dallas. Like, I don't think the Eagles own the NFC East until they beat Dallas. So I, yeah. I, I'm at that point where – but overall, though, with the way the whole NFC is shaping out, just covering the league, I, I feel like you can get three. Like, I feel like Washington's in that Saints-Cardinals tier where it's going to be close for that seventh seed. Yeah, there's going to be some other divisions that kind of beat each other up enough. And and there's a team from the East that kind of lingers around just enough. And then they can make their way into the into the uh, playoffs. I mean, shoot, you know, how the, the, the schedule makers do. They they have the Washington schedule has like five division games or something in like the last six weeks or something yeah, ridiculous. Really weird. Yeah, I mean that that's just that is rude. That's just not nice. It, it's tough. I mean it makes it, it is great for people for fans and being able to watch the game and understand that every game at the end of the year really means something, but my gosh, that is a brutal, brutal finish to the season. Just division game after division game. Yeah, I forgot about that. Sunday's game is like the last NFC East game we'll see from Washington until November. It's I, I don't like that year. I know they did that with the Eagles for a lot of years. I think they do that with the Giants. A lot. Yep. I, I I don't know how to feel about it because sometimes it benefits you, sometimes it don't. And yeah. I, I still don't like the whole division game in the final week of the season for everything. I do. I like you it. You like it. I, I like, like it. it. I like I like it because it means it means makes it mean something. It's it it sucks whenever you turn on the game and it's like the three twenty-five and it's between two teams who one's already Clinton, the other team has already booked their vacation. And they're just playing their last bit. But whenever you have at least two division opponents, 
Um, and it, at least it's a rivalry. There's something about that rivalry that still stays in, intact. And sure, it sucks to be like, hey, man, it's winner go home right now. But why not have winner go home when it's a rivalry game? Man? What, what else could you ask for? What else could well, you ask for? I, I do have to add this, though, because in 2020, the Eagles did play Washington on Sunday night. And they know if Washington won, they would get a better draft pick and they would cost the Giants a chance at the East. And they kind of... I don't want to say they tanked, but they, they definitely didn't give it their all that game. And I was laughing because Giants fans were complaining about they cost us the division, like you were six and ten. You didn't deserve it. Hey, man, yeah. I tell you. That 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 year right there, it's like that was a wonky, wonky year all across the board. Yeah, well, I I still can't believe I covered the league in the COVID year. I, I it's been two years now and I, I, I don't know. It's that, that whole year from Start to finish was just chaos. I, I remember we couldn't even get, basically go to games. I remember, like, you were getting denied credentials for stuff because they're like, well, you're not vaccinated. I'm like, well, no one's vaccinated. It, yeah. It's it really weird. I was afraid to even go places at that time. Yeah, I couldn't imagine playing. Um, I couldn't imagine playing in front of just empty stadiums. Like, that That just didn't seem right. And watching the game with empty stadiums, that didn't seem right, but – Hey, we've moved. We've moved past that, and uh, hopefully those those times don't return. Yeah, it's not, it's something we're going to be talking about 10, 20 years from now. Like, oh wait, that year. <laughs> Tell me about twenty twenty, Grandpa's like, oh, <laughs> sit down. Let me get you started. Yeah, yeah. It's like, oh yeah. By the way, we actually were shutting in our houses for two months doing this stuff. Podcast. Man, man, I tell you, what, what what was your COVID habit that you picked up? Hopefully it was good. That's something oh, it, that you don't mind good, sharing. Let's see. You know what I did? So I I was always big on YouTube. I think I watched a lot of old NFL games during the whole because I was still you did working. film study. Yeah, I did a lot of. I watched a lot of old eighties, nineties games because I grew up in the nineties watching you know the old NFC rivalries and stuff. And I miss Pat Summerall and John Madden like crazy now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That, some of those out. iconic, some of the iconic voices of the game, man. It, yeah. it, it kind of makes you feel good, warms your heart when you when you hear those voices of Ed Sables and that NFL film music with the little. Ooh, John, I can feel that, it now, that, man. Basically, the voice of God talking to you. It's but yeah, like I would watch the old Monday Night Football games with Al Michaels and Dan Deardorff, and you know, I'm like, oh man, I just want to run through a brick wall. I want to go play in the NFL now. Just just for that. I don't care if I get killed. I, I just want to go out there and see if I can catch a pass against Deion Sanders or something crazy like man, that. Man, I, I tell you what, now I don't want to talk too loud, but that would be one hell of a fan experience to go about. Come on out here for a day of training camp practice. Oh man. I, I'll tell you, I've seen what you guys everybody says you guys don't work hard. I'm like, I, I've seen it with Andy. Who Reed. said that? Who oh, said that? Well, you got to hear the fans all, all. These guys don't practice hard. I'm like, yeah, they do. They practice hard for an hour and a half. I'm like, you try running as fast as you can for an hour and a half, and you tell me how you feel. Yeah, I'm okay. I am now. See, I got to get kids to school and stuff. We can't even get into that. <laughs> Training camp is tough. I mean, it's, it's stay, getting in the league is, is difficult. And whenever you are there, it's even more difficult to stay. I mean, you got to think. You're you're getting in the league. You're taking somebody's job, and then as soon as you're in the league, they're already looking at the next draft picks for the next year and the year after that, and other teams to take your job. So there's like very little job security. 
right? You talk about players don't work hard, like that's that's crap. It takes you at least 20 some odd, 22 years before you even get to the NFL. So don't disrespect the person by saying they don't work hard. Don't do that. Yeah, don't I, do that. I agree with you 100%. Anthony, by the way, I got to let you go. I'm going to have you on again. We're going to talk so much NFC East this year. Pleasure you coming on. Believe in uh, is it believe in commanders or believe in Washington? Girl? Believe in commanders on all your po- uh, podcast networks, man. Check it out. Yeah, check it out. The Believe Network's good. I've been a guest on there for a couple of their shows. It, it, it it's a good time. I, I'll just say that. So make sure to tune in to Believe in Commanders. Watch Anthony. All right, man. Appreciate <laughs> it, Jeff. Thanks for coming on. I appreciate it. Yeah, we're good. Yeah, you too. All right, and I gotta give my tribute to Joey McDonald. We're gonna put a bone show right after this. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. The greatest fans on earth. It's a bold statement, but would you expect anything less from Philadelphia? 58 years of heartache creates a toughness, a grit, a resolve not found in most. Sure, our prayers were answered, but now that we've had a taste, we're looking for more. Pondley Hockey, official partner of the Philadelphia Eagles. Action News at 11 with Rick Williams. It's the team you trust to bring it all together. The stories that impact your community. A sports roundup for the locals. And the AccuWeather forecast you depend on. Action News at 11 with Rick Williams. Go passionately. Go fearlessly. Go confidently. Go first! Go confidently towards your goals with First Trust, Philly's hometown bank for nearly 90 years, and the official bank of the Philadelphia Eagles. We're focused on getting you over the goal line. So go with conviction. Go with trust. And go forward with us by your side. First Trust Bank, the official bank of Philadelphia dreams. Oh, and go birds. Welcome to Pond Lee Hockey. We've helped over 100,000 injured and disabled workers obtain benefits, as well as some of the biggest settlements in the state. If you've been injured at work, give Pond Lee Hockey a call. Guys, um, so I wanted to talk before we wrap it up here about 
the Amazon experience. Um, how are you guys liking Prime Video and cover their NFL coverage? I think the coverage has been fantastic. Are you guys having buffering issues? Anything like that? I see that being talked about a lot on Twitter. You know, the buffering or the delay or, you know, the the voice, uh, the sound, the, the, the lips aren't matching the sound. You, you guys know what I'm talking about. I haven't had that issue. I Of course, I'm watching the game on my iPad. I haven't been watching it on the television. I've been watching it on the iPad. I've had a pretty good experience with it so far, but I don't know if I'm ready for the full streaming error yet. And this is the guy who has like 10 streaming hours, by the way. Um, I don't think I'm ready for live games on there yet. And I know we're going to get it for the next 10 years, but I, I just don't know. It, it was tough for me, you know. So between that, I was watching the West Virginia game, uh, watching the Phillies last night. Yeah, I'm just... I, I don't know. It's it's. I'm not a two TV room guy. I usually have my laptop, my TV, and my iPad, and I usually flip through them so I can get by. But it was kind of tough watching the game on the iPad and the Phillies on the television last night. It was, and again, I didn't have the buffering issue. So if you guys have had them, let me know. Um, you know, drop it in the comment section. I I, I haven't had it yet. Um, I've had it Sunday ticket issues though. I have Sunday ticket because I, I, I need to for my job. I, I, I'm watching games constantly all the time. And when Sunday ticket was out Sunday, I was like, what? You know, cause I, could, I missed almost the whole second quarter of Ravens-Dolphins. I got to rewatch it, obviously. But, man, that's a game I sure want to, by the way. Um, I won't be down in Washington this week. Um, I don't like going to FedEx Field. <laughs> I don't like the traffic there. It's going to be a long day. I will be... It looks like I'll be at Eagles Jaguars week four. If not, I'm at Ravens Bills. So, yeah, th that'll be interesting for sure. Um, but again, uh, my coverage on CBSSports.com. I'll have plenty of Eagles Commanders coverage this week. Uh, I'll write my over under my overreactions, reality checks for week three. One thing I learned from each team in week three that will be coming out Tuesday. Going to write a lot about the Giants Cowboys stuff too, so you can check my work out there on CBSSports.com. I appreciate you guys tuning in to Good Morning NFC East all week. Glad to see you guys are liking the show, liking the conversations. It means a lot to me. It means a lot to the Jacob Sports family. Um, keep on commenting. Keep on liking. Uh, tell your friends about the show. Uh, we're down 19 episodes, man. Uh, I'm enjoying every bit of it. We, we've been a month into this show, and it's been a blast. So once again, my name is Jeff Kerr. Uh, CBS Sports, uh, also with Jacob Media. Again, uh, Birds 365 with Joey McDonald, John McMullen coming up next. Have a good weekend, everybody. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit.